if you want to talk about a picture of true love, of sacrificial love, of of love for humanity, if there's any sort of picture of racial unity and love, it's on that sidewall. As people are reaching across racial lines to, yeah. to literally save lives mm-hmm. and to offer hope, help, resources, and a, and a, a total change in direction in, in mm-hmm. one's life. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours, send me, Lord, I am yours. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro Life Podcast. In this episode, we have an interview with Melissa Palou, who talks to us about abortion and racism in America. Please join us as we cover this topic from a gospel centered perspective. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. We have a special guest with us today, and we're going to talk about a special subject and uh, a difficult subject for many of us to deal with and to think through, but hopefully we'll be able to help you guys think through this uh, subject together, and it's uh, the subject of abortion in light of race relations and just with Mm -hmm. all the things that we've got going on in our nation with the killing of George Floyd and and all the other uh, issues that surround this we really thought that we need to talk about abortion in light of those things. And who better to talk about this with than Melissa Palou? She's been involved in pro-life ministry for a long time. When I first got involved in pro-life ministry, she was mm-hmm. involved and we've known each other for a long time. Her and her husband, Devin, just been a blessing to the ministry of Cities for Life. And so we wanted to bring her on. And uh, we also have Vicky on the line, just so you guys know, we're on a Skype call here, so the audio might not be exactly what it normally is, uh, but we hope it will still be a blessing to you guys. Um, but yeah, say hey, Vicky. Hey there, everyone. Uh, hopefully you can hear Vicky well. And then just introduce yourself real quick, Melissa, and what you sure. and Devin are doing there on the college campus. Absolutely. So I'm, my name is Melissa Palou. My husband's Devin. We are the chapter directors at Winthrop University in Rock Hill, South Carolina with a ministry uh, called Ratio Christi, which is Latin for the reason of Christ. So we do apologetics evangelism ministry where we are uh, training college students to um, understand more about what they believe, why they believe it. So we deal with a number of different issues um, associated with um, a lot of the ideas, secular ideas that are kind of infiltrated the college campus, and then also evangelize students of other worldviews, whether they are uh, Muslim or skeptic, atheist, what have you. So we deal with quite a bit of issues related to, you know, God's existence and how we can trust the Bible, but also these ethical issues like abortion, we deal with quite a bit. So our training on the sidewalk has really been beneficial just, you know, being on the sidewalk and talking to abortion-minded women um, and families has been very uh, beneficial as we're uh, communicating how to have those conversations and, and the pro, defending the pro-life issue on the college campus with students who many times don't affirm the sanctity of human life. So we are very thankful. Um, you can uh, look us up, Ratio Christie at Winthrop University, and we're just blessed to be here today. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. And uh, we did a podcast uh, a couple of months ago with Devin talking mm-hmm. about some issues with uh, pro-life apologetics and things like that. It was a real blessing mm-hmm. to us, real blessing to have him join us on that. But we've got you on, 
And can yeah. anybody guess why we would have Melissa on when we're talking about <laughs> race relations? Why would we have you on, Melissa? Well, if we were on video, I mean, it'd be evident. <laughs> but I, I, mean, I am indeed Black. And and like you said, being involved in pro-life activism for so long on the sidewalk and just in different areas, um, doing conferences and trainings and things like that, you know, having that that experience. But it is not a commonality. It's not very common um, to have a, a lot of Black pro-life activists. So I think that that's, that might be why you brought me on. I'm not sure though. But. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, we brought you on because you're a, you're a godly woman that has a godly perspective. So that's the first thing. But you happen to be a black woman and you have mm-hmm. some experience in dealing with race from a perspective that I don't have and that Vicky don't have. And so we thought to bring you in this conversation because yeah, like you said, there, there is a, unfortunately a scarcity of, of black individuals within the pro-life movement, even though it's becoming more and more from what I see. Is that mm-hmm. what you're seeing too? Yeah, I think people are starting to at least think about the issue a lot more, but I'm really been blessed to see on the, the Saturday mornings with the prayer walks, a lot of black churches in the Charlotte area really becoming active and participating. So I, from from that perspective, I'm really encouraged. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I'm sure. encouraged as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, like I said, before we got started with this, I'm I'm going to ask you some questions. It's going to be real relational. And I just want you to talk. I want you to share your heart. I want people to understand from a black woman's perspective, the issue of abortion and dealing with, you know, race and, and, and dealing with abortion in light of race and all of that. And I mm-hmm. think it will help us to understand because, you know, let's face it, Melissa, you've been out there, Vicki, you've been out there for many years too. And you've seen the majority of the women going into the Latrobe abortion clinic are unfortunately black women that are going in. And so it's a reality that we deal with on a regular basis, dealing with um, race, dealing with women who are not the same color as us and uh, trying to see from their perspective, trying to see, you know, for me from a woman's perspective is, is really hard, but trying to see from a black woman's perspective is even harder, you know? So, uh, so we want to get some perspective from you. And I do want to talk about kind of the larger picture of things. And that's where I want to start, if you don't mm-hmm. mind. And I want to sure. start with the idea of systematic racism or systemic racism. Is this, in your opinion and from your experience, is this a reality in our country? Yeah. So that is, you know, a very hot button issue, right? Systemic racism. Um, and, you know, it, you know, or some people call it structural racism or institutional racism. Those are kind of synonyms. And just to give a general popular definition of what we're talking about, for those who are not aware, when we're talking about racism, you know, the sin of racism in terms of, you know, individuals who, who have racist intent and motives, and they prejudge people and they um, have racist attitudes towards someone else or attitude of superiority based on skin color. So we would recognize that as racism. I think all people would. And then with systemic racism, the general popular definition would be something along the lines of the social or economic political, educational, legal systems as well, that they would say that those systems in our country are designed in a systematic way, a foundational way to um, oppress 
minorities and to somehow grant or set white people up for success or some sort of to, to in a superior way. So the systems systemically, the systems of the country are all designed to basically oppress black people. And it's just, and so from the perspective of someone who holds to that, not myself, I'm just saying from the perspective of someone who holds to that, sure, yeah. when they look at the world or they look at opportunities, they would say, they would feel that there are, there's a minority would feel like they are set up for failure um, from the moment that they're born, that they're not on equal footing um, or equal set up uh, that things are not equal, equally set up for minorities and white people. So part of the, and I'll tell you that, that, that question is hard to answer. It's kind of, kind of a loaded question. And it It was, it was intended to be, I wanted to kind of get your reaction on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and and I I was just, I'll unpack why it's hard to answer because there are so, um, there's just, there are various definitions even. I mean, if you go to, you know, to some scholarship and academic and a sec- on a secular campus versus some of the popular definitions that are in a lot of the books that are, are out now. But, the, and that's why I think that the issue itself, it's so, uh, it's so ambiguous, this idea of systemic racism, that I don't think it's something that we can, that a person can hold tightly onto and affirm in a dogmatic way. So I know that's not a yes or no answer, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's actually uh, kind of what I was, what I was aiming at. Vicki, you want to pipe in on this? Um, well, no, I actually, I, I totally agree with you, Melissa, because I've <laughs> been really grappling and, and I just <laughs> wrote a note to a, a friend who is very much involved in, in, I guess, eradicating systemic racism and said, the more I read, actually, the more confused the I more am. The more confusing it is, right. Yeah. It, it, it is a very confusing issue, an area, because what you're looking at, basically, it, I mean, it, it's a social theory, right? So mm-hmm. with theories, what you're doing is you're looking at data and you're looking at different things. And so what the person who's saying the the systemic racist social theorists, they're looking at disparities, right? So they're saying there's economic disparities between whites and blacks. There's educational disparities. There's private property disparities, right? So they're mm-hmm. they're looking at those disparities and saying, well, it has there has to be some systemic reason that that is happening. But this does the the, the problem when you just when you just um, narrow it down to that is that you you that you don't take into account other factors, things like marriage, right? We, I mean, even when you look at economics with black children, if they are raised in a two-parent family, there's only about a seven percent poverty rate. Okay, mm. and that that's and you compare that with white children who are raised in a two-parent home. There's about a 22% poverty rate. Okay. Well, wow, that's so, an amazing statistic. I have never heard mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, black children raised in, in two parent homes typically don't are not impoverished, and mm-hmm. so that and I think that so that's that's what I'm saying. It's try it's hard to blame or to pin these disparities solely on the systemic issues when there are these personal issues, these individual issues. There's these there's cultural issues um, with, you know, again, with marriage and with ideo- how 
think mindsets and the choices, it kind mm-hmm. of, it does, it does, does remove personal responsibility from the equation, right? Mm-hmm. So you're able yeah. to just say that it's, I can't achieve this or I can't do this or I'm doing this because things are just set up and stacked against me. And, you know, things, when we really look at it, we don't want to disparage think like if we're going to say that all these privilege like privilege for instance that there, there's things I mean marriage privilege like I brought up right there's privilege when you're born into a family with two parents so right. we don't want to take we don't want to destroy those in, like marriage for instance right <laughs> because yeah. there's disparities right so it's just a very abstract um thing to me now there 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 can I believe the answer is to just look at individual policies and to see if there are policies that do harm, you know, black people, whether intentional or unintentional. I think if you take that approach, then it's just, it's more defined. It's more based on real life and data and things like that. But if yeah. when you're just this whole, this, this whole idea that that's what's happened is it, take this whole idea and we're looking at all these disparities without looking at individual, just maybe individual policies and things like that, that, that may need to be changed. But in general, I just, I don't hold firmly to the idea of systemic racism just because it's ambiguous. And I'd rather look at individual areas where there may be some, some you know, some things that are unfair and deal with it from that perspective. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. I did want to touch on that again as a as a big picture question mm-hmm. because it's a question that a lot of you know we we hear it again it's it's like a buzzword in the media systemic racism mm-hmm. and this idea mm-hmm. of systemic racism and you know when certain statistics and certain things are laid out to me I'm like well yeah there's a there's a system in place that seems to be bent against uh, minorities against black people and and you know but then you look at other statistics and it's like like mm-hmm. what you shared, it's 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 mm-hmm. like man, all things equal, there there's not this systemic mm-hmm. racism, and so it's it's really confusing, and it's yeah. really hard for me again as a as a white man to come from that perspective and to see that, and so mm-hmm. yeah, I wanted to hear your perspective, but now just to kind of bring it into to what we really want to talk about, mm-hmm. which is uh, the issue of abortion and mm-hmm. racism, because there's no doubt you mentioned it when we first started the sin of racism, the sin mm-hmm. of racism exists. Absolutely. And, uh, I think you would probably agree that it's going to exist until Jesus returns, no matter Absolutely. how much we try to fight against it. It's like Absolutely. any other sin, and it Absolutely. does have its own unique issues that it causes, of course. So I'm not trying mm-hmm. to marginalize that as just any other sin. It has issues that it brings. Mm-hmm. But like every sin, um, only Jesus Christ is going to remedy that. Uh, mm-hmm. so that's, that's a reality, and I appreciate you saying that. Uh, mm-hmm. But it does at least— um, the issue of race and abortion do come up in a, in a lot of conversations and and just like I said on a day to day basis in our outreach we deal with uh, young black women going into the abortion centers and I've been called a racist <laughs> so many yeah. times I can't even count and uh, I'm sure you Melissa and you can correct me if I'm oh, wrong I'm being out there at the abortion <laughs> clinic you've probably been called a racist or called what whatever, whatever uh-huh. kind of yeah. Uh, lots of names yeah, that I won't want to repeat, but yeah, um, sell out, things like that, of course. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. That's, that's kind of kind of funny the way that people just kind of throw these terms out there. Mm-hmm. But how how do the issues in your mind of 
racism and abortion intersect in the United right. States of America? All right. So again, we affirm that racism exists. And so we, because the, the heart is sinful, right? We love darkness rather than light. And as long as we are in that condition, we can, you know, as long as we're human, we can have sinful attitudes and racism is a sinful way of thinking and looking at the world. Now, in a, as we look at the issue of abortion, we look at the reality that abortion kills unborn minority children at a much higher rate than the national average. And we're talking about a, we're talking about a minority population where you have 16 million Black children who have died uh, due to abortion. We're talking about the number one killer of the Black community, where uh, it's five times higher for abortion to occur in a Black family than a white family. So when we look at the history of abortion and we bring if so looking, just looking at those stats of abortion now being the number one killer of the Black community, we look at the history with the abortion movement in America, of course, Miss Margaret Sanger was the uh, proponent and she had very, her thoughts were based on a, a eugenics model and yeah. a eugenics. Um, and I know you had talked to Devin with that in a previous show. A eugenics model is basically designed where you look at humans based on their, their potential, their function, what they can what they can give to society, and some people are considered non-useful in that in that way. And so, black people, because of all of the, you know, the the, the slavery and all civil rights, all these all these things that were going through, the largely uneducated um, black population, they were included in that eugenics model of those that. Margaret Sanger deemed unworthy. The Negro Project, I think it was 1932, was aimed at the Black community where the pastors were encouraging the use of birth control and and that. So population control is was basically the idea. And if we look at the numbers, we have we see a population control issue. So when yeah. a population is targeted because of their skin color, that is racism, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, when we look, at the, we look at the presence of the abortion clinics in poor and minority areas, that is a marketing tool that is designed to normalize abortion and to target that community. When you place a, a business in a certain community, you are targeting that community. It's there for a purpose. And so the, the fact that the, the roots of abortion were raised, were based on a eugenics model that targeted Black people for population control. And then the fact that we now have abortion clinics in majority Black neighborhoods, we have now abortion as the number one killer of Black people. It is completely tied to racism because of the targeting based on skin color. Right. It, it also, I, I like what you said the uh, about the root issue, um, because I think the root issue is very similar in mm -hmm. the killing of the unborn and racism. In both mm -hmm. cases, the value of the, the value. intrinsic yeah. human value of mm -hmm. the people group is mm -hmm. is questioned, is put into right. question. And, and as soon as that happens, then you can harm 
that class of humans because you feel that their value is less than yours. And that's true for the unborn and that's true for the minorities. That has been true throughout all of history, right? Dehumanization of population. Exactly. Whether it's it's the Jews, whether it's the Blacks, you know, Mm -hmm. now it's babies. And one of the sad, sad realities is when we look at civil rights and we look at um, oppression against Black people and you know, it's a, a, I mean, what the black population has been through in this country from 400 years, you know, from slavery from 400 years to where we are now, it's just remarkable in my opinion. You know, it's just amazing what God has done through uh, many people who fought for rights um, and who stood boldly and courageously for those rights. But what you find is when people are oppressed for so long, many times they become oppressors themselves. And this is sometimes very unconsciously because of a sense of a loss of power and things of that nature. So we now see black women, black families killing their own children. And this is an act of oppression because like you said, Vicki, the dehumanization of that child in the womb. Mm -hmm. um, And that is what allows, that is what's, that is a, a, a process that will you know, that leads to these children's death. So it's a very sad reality that what happens, you know, from the racist attitudes and and targeting the community, and then people internalize it, right? And they themselves become the oppressors. That that has historically happened in, in, you know, pretty much every other civilization as well. Wow. Right. Yeah, that's, uh, Melissa, that's that's a, a, a unique perspective there. Uh, that mm-hmm. you bring that up. And uh, that kind of brings me to to another one of the points that I want to touch on, because mm-hmm. what you just said, and, I, you know, I have to process it. I, I take your word for it, and I, mm-hmm. I believe you're, you're telling me the truth for sure. I'd have to process it to think about it. But even mm-hmm. if I did fully agree with what you just said, can I even voice that? And so what mm-hmm. I'm asking is, you know, is is it the place of, you know, for a pro-life white man like myself, to say mm-hmm. things like what you just said, or to point out um, mm-hmm. some of the issues with Planned Parenthood, you know, with Margaret Sanger. I mean, we got the toppling mm-hmm. of statues across this country of Confederate soldiers and all of that. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get into that subject. But mm-hmm. as I look at that, I'm thinking, man, they should be toppling the statues of Margaret Sanger and getting these things because she's like provable as a racist, right? But yeah. is it my is it my place? Is it Vicky's mm-hmm. place as as white pro-lifers to address those issues and then? Um, mm-hmm. if it is our place, how do we address those issues without it just being a, a landmine? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it is a difficult area to, to navigate through, you know, cause you do want to be sensitive, but truth is truth, right? The yeah. word of God is, is, is unchanging. It is our standard. And so my short answer would be, yes, you should address that, speak on that, talk about that reality, um, because it is a sinful, the sin of abortion, it has so, it's so, the effects are so profound on the black community. And so, yes, I encourage my white brothers and sisters to talk about that and to not and to not back down from God's truth. Now, as far as talking about it and how we do it, I think that that is is maybe more of the the question, Daniel, of uh, how do we do that? 
you know. Yeah, do we, yeah do I we, guess the, the context that I'm speaking to yeah. is, you know, I think there's a national context, certainly for, for you know, pro-life mm-hmm. leaders, for politicians even to, to be speaking about this. But the context primarily I'm speaking to is at the abortion center with an abortion-minded mom as I'm sharing some of the statistics and some of the things. Because, you know, you get into those heated conversations. They want to come over and set you straight. And sometimes I almost am, well, I'm actually very careful and walking on eggshells if I bring up the issues of the fact that that abortion clinic is located in a minority neighborhood, yep. uh, that mm-hmm. there's also another abortion clinic just around the corner, and that you're not mm-hmm. going to find those abortion clinics in, in a white neighborhood. <laughs> you're just not going to mm-hmm. find it. So I guess that's more the context I'm speaking of. Is it my place to to say that? How do I need to address that and not make it into just a racial fight? Because that's not what I'm trying to get into with an abortion-minded mom, you know? Right, right. You're at that point, you don't I mean you're not trying to get into the deeper issues of race and race relations, right? You want that you want her to see that that child is worthy of life and that God um design that child and that she should not murder her child. So again, I think just in in a in a and for being on the sidewalk, maybe I can I can share some of the things I've heard that I thought were insensitive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not, yeah. Please do. That you would know, be um, Yeah, just saying that you know your black baby matters, or your black baby this, or your black baby that. I think we need to be careful about saying that. I mean, in this culture, I mean, golly, people are so triggered, you know, and we with everything going on, we need to maybe be careful about that. And just even with, you know, black, black unborn lives matter, just with that whole thing with black lives matter, because it's such a power, you know, it's such a convincing movement to a lot of people. It can, that can trigger some things for people um, where they just shut down and they're not going to talk to you or they're going to make certain assumptions about you. I think for, for those issues, it is better dealt with in an ongoing situation. Like if you're, if you have someone that you're engaging, you know, a car that you, that you stopped and that you wanted and you're talking to them, you can talk to them about how this place is, is a place that is, you know, is a white supremacist tool. You know, I think in a conversation, that's very good. I don't think that it should be the first thing you bring up, but I think it does, I think it does have its place because ultimately this is a humanity issue. And so, and that that's one thing too. I think that even in the within the pro life community, we we don't we we with the George Floyd and the Breonna Taylor and the Ahmaud Aubrey, we don't. I don't think I don't think the answer is just to deflect to oh well, abortion is the first is number one killer, you know, in, the, in those cases automatically because I think we have an opportunity to say that was wrong what happened to George Floyd, you know, for that police officer to to kill him that way. I mean, we mm-hmm. watching that video and this man asking for his mom, you know, regardless of his past choices or, or that, but asking for his mom and being murdered right there on a video in front of mm-hmm. us, that was difficult. So I think we can say, you know, that those things are horrible and that God does not approve in, in appropriate situations. Not every racial incident, obviously, is a is a is an issue of racism that's reported mm-hmm. in the media, but verifiable issues that we want to show that we care, right, that the that we care about humanity. And just it's such a, t- a touchy issue. But I just think sometimes if you're on if you're on a microphone and just talking about race or doing a race education class isn't necessarily the best time, at least right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. But but I think talking about humanity itself, I think that is a great way to reach people, you know, it, because the, the idea what, what media 
is reinforcing in a lot of the me- the books now and everything is that, you know, white people don't see you as a person. White mm-hmm. people don't see you as equal. You know, white people are part of this system. This, you know, when we talk about systemic racism, white people are part of that whole system that's holding you down. They don't care about you and they just want to oppress you and they think that they're better than you. So mm-hmm. you, you know, be aware that this is a mindset that is being that a person not all, not 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 all the time, 100 percent of the time, but many times a black person will that's their perception coming to the, the situation, right? And so yeah. when they see, they pull in and they see a bunch of white people there, there's got to we got to somehow connect with their humanity, and that's yeah. really important because we want to show them that they're that we're all equal, and so is that child, you know. Um, right. And all, I, made, all made in the image of God. And I think that uh-huh. is the uniting and one of the most powerful things we can say in terms of connecting as human beings. We are all made in God's image. You know, slogans that I use now even are black lives are sacred. You know, black lives matter to God. Mm-hmm. I think those, you know, even songs that say things like that mm-hmm. um, are help. I think are helpful, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it shows that we care about the sanctity of all human life, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, but it is difficult, Daniel, you know, it's even difficult yeah. for me sometimes to talk. Well, it might be easier for me to talk about it than maybe for yourself. <laughs> um, yeah. So, well, you know, I'll tell you just from experience and what you know, uh, the yeah. issue of race as much, because, you know, recently, especially, mm-hmm. I have stayed away from any conversations about mm-hmm. race, about the fact that more black babies are killed by abortion than are born. I mean, I don't I don't even say that mm-hmm. commonly now as I'm talking to abortion minded women or calling mm-hmm. out there. I just don't make race an issue because to me, really, it's not an issue. You know what I mean? As far as like I, whether you're killing your black child or your white child or your you know Hispanic child, whatever, you're killing a child and it's wrong. Right. But, but, yeah, but as much me- as I that yeah the media is reinforcing this racial division over and over and over and over and so we need we have to find a way to uh unite and bring these people to the understanding that we're that we're all created in the image of god you know mm-hmm. so i think yeah. that's the message that we want to communicate that's going to resonate in this, in this world that's so divided you know yeah yeah right i know just you know recently i'd say since the george floyd murder and and all this racial tension and stuff, I th- it seems like I've heard more and more of the people walking into the abortion center of accusations of racism toward myself. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. What are you I, talking to me, white that, boy out yeah. there? You know, yeah. would you say that's the case, today. Vicky? Oh, t- we heard it today. Uh, there was an angry exchange where we were being called racist because we were offering help. I, do- I don't know why we were. We certainly had not made any any racist remark, but but that's where it, it it started off as in saying, of course, you've heard this a thousand times, you should not be judging, you're judging us. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately that we were racist in because we were judging what were predominantly black women at that point walking into the abortion center. Well, also be aware of, you know, the, the, the number one bestseller in the New York Times right now is White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo. And she's a sociologist who basically says that all white people are racist, okay? So whether subconsciously, whether you realize it or not, your whiteness has blinded you to your racism mm-hmm. and that you can come to repent. Not, well, she doesn't call it repentance, but you can come to realize that your whiteness is 
in in a sense evil. Mm-hmm. And so this is the number one bestseller, okay? Wow. And, and yeah. it's written by a white woman, <laughs> okay? Yeah. And so he's saying that white people are racist just from for you to say that you're not a racist, it's just your, your white fragility showing, which is yeah. you are trying to be <laughs> yourself. So, right, so and you're, you're doomed. I mean, there's nothing you can say or do to prove or disprove. You you are instantly labeled, and there is there's no no way out of right. that. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm. So, yeah. so, so Melissa, are, are you saying then, just for you know, for the listeners who are, because a lot of our listeners are daily mm-hmm. out at the abortion centers, and that's a lot of our listener base are sidewalk counselors and stuff like that. So, would you say then the best thing to do in those situations where, let's say, an abortion-minded mom walking in who just happens to be black. Uh, yells mm-hmm. back at you and says you're a racist. So, so the best response to that would just be to ignore that and talk about humanity. Is that is that Absolutely. right? Absolutely. What ha- because if you defend, go and defend yourself, that is seen as in in terms of modern uh, theory, critical race theory, and things like that. That is seen as you're showing your racism more because yeah. um, this is why you'll see people. Um, in these videos or these talks or even even people, even friends, Christian friends of mine, which is sad, you'll see them kind of, in a sense, repent of their whiteness, right? They are mm-hmm. so sorry for, <laughs> they don't, I don't, I don't know if they know what they're sorry for, but they're just, they're sorry and they're <laughs> repentant to black people, right? So for yes. that is seen as a, uh, you, them, that is seen as a good thing. Because they are, they're acknowledging and they're woke enough to understand their whiteness is evil. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, when you defend it, it shows that you are, you, you're fragile and, and this sort of thing. So, yeah, I would, so regardless if you try to defend yourself or not, you're still racist, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah it's kind of darned if you do, darned if you don't scenario. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. to get, that would be, yeah. So, just focus on humanity. Um, you know, try to speak through that, that you care about that individual yeah. um, and those things. Um, that's all you can do in those situations, I believe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that just came to mind is mm-hmm. I'm not out there as a white man. I'm out there right. as a Christian. That's primarily exactly. why I'm out there. If I wasn't a Christian, I wouldn't be out at the abortion center at all. I wouldn't care about that's those babies or those women uh, or anything. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're speaking out of our... Uh, love for God, our love for people. So I appreciate mm-hmm. you. I appreciate you saying that and sharing all yeah, of that. Just point people to Christ in those situations, because if you, uh, you know, if you get caught up in that, it's, it, you're not going to be able to have a fruitful exchange. I don't yeah, believe. It ends up just becoming a distraction. I mean, I'll, I'll just say mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's a temptation as a, yeah. you know, a, a young black woman is walking into the abortion center and she calls out to me and calls me a racist. There's a temptation in me to just lay out the statistics and talk about Planned Parenthood's history, talk about Margaret Sanger and all of that. But like you said, it just becomes a distraction. It becomes a really a conversation mm-hmm. that's not immediately helpful, even though it could be helpful if yeah. we were able to sit down and talk that's at length. Good. In that scenario, right. it's just, just not helpful. And yeah, I hear I hear you saying that. I, I, that's that's good advice for okay. sure. Yeah. That helps. Yeah. But yes, if you if you just become with like I said, some of the modern um literature that's coming out now on system systemic racism and white privilege and things like that you really uh, it's it's very deep and so you're not going to come to a resolution in a, in those quick conversations i don't believe yeah yeah well i want us to shift the conversation just a little yeah. bit here 
if we can, and talk about pro-life issues in the black community and just your experience with that. Because you know, a lot of folks don't understand why the black community, from my perspective, because it has disproportionately, abortion has disproportionately affected the black community. A lot mm-hmm. of folks don't understand why these issues aren't addressed in the black community, or maybe they are, and we're just not hearing it, obviously, because we're not you know, involved on a regular basis within the black community, whatever, you know, I put air quotes mm-hmm. there because, I mean, we're talking yeah. about different communities and segments of communities, but within the black community, are these mm-hmm. issues talked about? And if they're not talked about, then why? And if they are, how are they addressed? Yeah, I, I find from... I mean, from the political groups, you know, one of the that is a big problem is the politics, right? Because you have your groups like the NAACP and the Congressional Black Caucus and these who are basically very intertwined with Planned Parenthood in these mutual relationships. And so for the black community, it's kind of it's like, oh, that they it's okay for them, you know, they're, they're okay with Planned Parenthood, so I can be okay with Planned Parenthood. But I think that the abortion issue in general is not talked about in our community. And I think because of it's killed, it's affected so many Black people, right? It's mm. something that honestly, I doubt my mom would be listening to this, but it's something I've never even, with my mom, I've never asked, you know, I know that I have several friends who have had abortions that when I was growing up, my teenage years, and they've never said anything else about it. It's, so it's something that is not, it's happening, but it's not talked about. And So are you saying it's, it's more like there's a shame factor there because so many have been affected by abortion or it's kind of like the skeletons in the closet sort of thing? I think it's, a, I think it's a lot of skeletons in the closet that families don't talk about. And so it is, and you you think about it from when you t- when and it's there's kind of a general silence, I would say, right? So then you have somebody like me who's always talking about it, you know, <laughs> and I might get sometimes I'll get messages from people or uh, even a family, you know, family that says, you know, I had an abortion and you know this is a very important issue for me. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. I've talked to you know black women that I've gone to church with over time as I've talked more about abortion. They've started to say, you know, I've had, I've had two abortions. I've had four abortions, people that I would have never thought or knew. Yeah. Um, so it's just a very, there's just a general silence about it. And so I, and I think that's more of a reason to talk about it. Because I do want to see people healed, right? I want to see people healed in Jesus and not carrying that around. And uh, I would, you know, we need more post-abortive ministries in Black uh, churches. But then even just thinking about the abortion issue, how to, you know, that it's a sin and how, you know, that it's taking innocent human life. You just don't hear that in sermons. You don't hear that in discussions at all. And so... There's kind of this under, and I think what it is, like, you know, we were talking earlier about this oppressor, oppressed situation, right? Where the, um, where the oppressed, someone who feels oppressed for so long, they will tend to, to oppress someone else. So it's almost like killing our own is okay, right? It is something that's accepted. Is something that we don't, you know, we don't talk about a whole lot, but the statistics speak for themselves. Mm. So it, it's happening on a regular, 
accelerated basis. But then when we have a police officer who kill, you know, who unfairly kills one of us, then that is the time that we speak out, right? <laughs> and we yeah. get infuriated. So there is just this double, this very double, double standard in our community. I mean, when you're talking about things, uh, even with those, like the, I think it was Planned Parenthood campaign, or it might, may have been the now campaign, shout your abortion. You know, yeah. remember, you know, yeah. talk about your abortion, shout your abortion. Those were, who was that educated white women who were doing that? Right. You yeah. Know, you don't see a lot of black women participating in these things. Now, Planned Parenthood has had some targeted campaigns to try to bring black women into that and they have participated. But on a, like on a everyday level of the, of the average person, you just don't see uh, black people shouting their abortion. And so it's, it is very taboo, but it continues to happen repeatedly, obviously. And so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's not a, I don't think there's a, a, a answer in terms of why that is, but I know that that needs to change. I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, one of, it, one of the things that I, I would echo that you are saying about how it so needs to change recently, I did have a, a woman, a mother and her mother mm-hmm. stopped for me, very abortion minded. I don't even know why they stopped. But as the discussion mm-hmm. proceeded, the mother of the pregnant daughter um, admitted that she had had a number of abortions mm-hmm. and that and her daughter hadn't known that she had known maybe her mother had had one or two, but her mother had had a number of them. And then the mother proceeded to to um, cry and talk about the pain and the sorrow and mm-hmm. the despair that had been hidden from this daughter. And mm-hmm. ultimately, the daughter got on the RV, chose life. But it struck me mm-hmm. how when any sin is in darkness, it's hidden. It just grows, mm-hmm. it multiplies. And yeah. if if the children are seen, the, they know their moms have had abortions, but it's never talked about it. And it's never talked about in a negative way. Well, they, mm-hmm. they do what they've, what they see and what they've right. learned from their parents. And so it's perpetuated. Yeah. And if you don't hear about it, you know, if you're going to church every Sunday and you never right. hear about it and right. no one talks about it. I mean, yeah. you, I, I had no idea how to think about abortion, you know? Mm-hmm. And so and, until I got, you know, when I, well, even after I got saved, I just, I never thought about it. I never heard about it. And, right. um, and it was just, it was through a, a radio. I heard a radio uh, information uh, ad and I just started thinking about it more, but it's just, it's not something that's talked about. Um, now you do have uh, people like Bishop, um, Patrick Luton, I think he's up in Raleigh, who is so outspoken. And then you have one of your voting systems and those, yeah. those guys who are just, you know, all about pro-life issues. And Benjamin yeah. Watson, who, Benjamin Pastor, is actually- Pastor Gabriel Rogers here in, uh, in Charlotte speaks about the issue of abortion on a regular basis. He's one of the churches that you mentioned that comes out to the prayer walks. These men right. of God are just awesome in addressing the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Benjamin Watson is, he's my, he was a NFL. He played in the NFL. He just retired. Um, he's my pastor's son. He's my pastor's oldest son. And he's actually um, spoken at the March for Life and he's doing, he's working on a pro-life documentary. He's trying to get more black people to talk about it and for it to be more mainstream. Again, in our pews, there's people that are hurting and there is this idea that again, out of sight, out of mind, um, you just, you know, you get over, you just pray, get over it, move on and don't talk about it. 
And so like Vicky was saying with the young girl, with the abortion minor girl who did, had no idea that her mother had had an abortion, you just don't, you know, it's just kind of a secret. And then sometimes with us black pro-lifers, I've noticed that we can be more focused on our, just coming from political perspective yeah. um, to try to, to try to talk to black people about, you know, you know, and, and we don't start at the heart of the issue, which is, you know, when you, which is humanity, because when we, as, as black people, when we accept that abortion is okay and is acceptable, I mean, we are, uh, we are reaffirming the idea that human beings, that they're human beings of less value and worth. And exactly. so we're reaffirming those ideas that even racist individuals may have against us, those ideas that Jim Crow fought against, those ideas that that were prevalent during slavery and the reason for the Civil War and these things. So we're re, we are reiterating the ideas that have been perpetuated against us throughout, you know, throughout American history. So, yeah, do you do you find I know you shared a little bit earlier in your experience mm-hmm. in being a black woman who is pro-life. Do you find that you get pushback within African-American circles being mm-hmm. pro-life? And I know you said you had some people that reach out to you who's, you know, have mm-hmm. shared past abortions and they're reaching out mm-hmm. to you and obviously in a positive way, but you mm-hmm. get some negative reactions too, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it becomes, so you get the, so the, the, th- what happens is the more outspoken, it's some people are just quiet and they'll just, you know, they disapprove quietly, <laughs> but yeah. then you have, um, you know, the, the people who, you know, call you the traitors and the Uncle Toms and, mm-hmm. and the sellouts and the coons and that you're just mm-hmm. playing along. Right? They think that you are, again, think about that. Like I said, I'm really glad that you talked about the systemic racism thing early, the idea of it, because they, you know, again, you know, kind of going back to that, uh, there are these disparities sometimes in a, in a general sense with some economic issues and things like that, even though it's not, that's not always an issue of injustice. It's just sometimes that's just how things are for certain reasons, but it's almost like, okay, pro-life is a, that's a white conservative evangelical issue. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to get to is that this idea that, you know, it is a Republican Democrat issue. And mm-hmm. that's why there's, there's this kind of unwillingness yeah. to address the issue of abortion in the black community. I, so you're, yeah. you're kind of reiterating that, I guess. Well, yeah, it's like, you know, because the idea is that, okay, if you're black, you should be fighting for things like, you know, equal pay and reparations and black rights and these sort of things. And, and black, you should be fighting for, you know, against the the legal system, you know, and things like that, or neighborhood, you know, you should be fighting for neighborhood development and Poor, commu- poor minority communities and uh, for the school system, public school system in the inner city, fighting for abortion. That is, again, that's a white evangelical upper cl- middle upper class issue. That's that, that's their fight. And you are ignoring your community by being a part of that. So that becomes the idea. And so, I, but I think through, through, t- through educating, I mean, I have several, you know, black friends that we're not pro-life and not, and just because they didn't, they never thought about it. You yeah. know, they just thought, Oh, it's not something I would do, but you know, if somebody wants to do it, you, know, you know, they can do it. So that's the beauty of, of understanding, you know, some pro-life apologetics and some training and how to have mm-hmm. conversations. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of times that, that happens in conversations one-on-one 
and through messages and texts and phone calls and things like that. So that's why I'm still going to say what I have to say. And because there are people who are being affected and who are hearing it, there's some people who are going to call you the sellout because they believe that you have sold out your people and your the causes that are important to us and that you fo- are focusing on abortion. Again, because we don't talk about abortion as a community and we don't talk about the devastating effects of abortion on our community, right? And so it, it can be kind of multifaceted, the, the responses. But there are people who are seeing the truth and seeing the light. And so yeah. I always like, you know, well, regardless, you know, truth is truth <laughs> and we yeah. have to stand on trust God in the process. So, yeah, well, thank God we've got uh, a godly woman like you and and you're speaking out in the way that you are and you're able to just confront these issues head on and bring the gospel into the equation or at the forefront of the conversation, because that is ultimately what's going to change the issue of racism and the issue of abortion and whatever other sins we deal with as, as human beings, it's the gospel. Well, you know, even with racism, you know, we have to talk, I mean, when in conversations, I mean, you can, you can say racism is, is a, is a sin. I, you know, I, I may not be racist, but there's sins in my heart. Right. And we all have sin of some sort. And so let's, you know, God is good. God is perfect. He's holy and he can save anybody, you know. And so even even through racism, God can penetrate hearts and change hearts. But it's seen as it is seen as the issue of our day and as the kind of the unforgivable sin. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's a sad reality. It's like even again, me as a as a white Christian man, I'm sometimes like I don't know what I can say and what I can't say without, you know, getting, getting in the, the PR police after me. So I just say what I feel like the, the word of God says and just let the Lord deal right. with it. Uh, but right. yeah, it's, it's a difficult time to, to live in as far as the, the things that mm-hmm. you, you feel like you can say the truth yeah. that you feel like you can say without having a terrible backlash. And of course, you know, we've seen some of that in, in media and, and all of that recently. Well, the abortion is, I mean, the, the abortion clinic is the, that is a war zone already. And then you add a racial tension war on top of that, that's going on in media. And it's just a, you know, the perfect storm for, you know, an explosion almost. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It is, but you know, from a, from a positive aspect, mm-hmm. I see what's happening out at the abortion center in, mm-hmm. in many ways as being like on a microcosm, the way to heal racial tension because they they i think overwhelmingly at least the sidewalk counselors i know love people because they're people made in the image of god and they are reaching out to these women not because they're black or white but because they're women who are um in a desperate place feeling that killing their child is an answer and we have a a different answer the a a godly gospel driven answer and we help and so i think it it connects them um to our humanity and we're connected to their humanity which what i'm hearing you saying is is the absolutely crucial thing to do and that that happens regularly out there yeah well and it those you see that all the time and people don't that that's one thing people don't see oh white people don't care you know yeah, and these things. But then I see, you know, you, Vicky, you know, you guys on the RV with this young lady. Think about this. When you come to when a when a woman comes to an abortion clinic or a young girl comes to an abortion clinic, that's probably the lowest point of her life. Right. Right. Yeah. And you're yeah. and you're there being 
Christ's hands and feet and meeting her there mm-hmm. and, and standing there for her in the gap. So mm-hmm. talk about, I mean, if you want to talk about a picture of uh, love, of true love, of sacrificial love, of, of love for humanity, mm-hmm. of, um, of if there's any sort of um, picture of love, racial unity and love, it's on that sidewalk. Right. You know, as yeah. people are as people are reaching across racial lines to yeah. save lives, to literally save lives, mm-hmm. and to offer hope, help, resources, and a in a, a total change in direction in in mm-hmm. one's life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's awesome. I appreciate you. That that that's mm-hmm. actually a great note for us to to end this podcast on. Absolutely. Um, very encouraging, Melissa. It's very encouraging having you on, and it's very uh, enlightening to hear your perspective. Yeah. So I appreciate you taking the time to do that. If people want to get in touch with you and Devin, how do they get in touch with you? Sure. Um, you can email us, uh, Melissa Palou at ratiochristi.org. I know that's a mouthful with, between my name and our ministry. Yeah, I'll put it <laughs> but, in. I'll put it in the show notes at the at the bottom of the podcast. A, a link there to you guys. Yeah, and I and I, you know, I I do talks, and Devin does. You know, we do pro life apologetic talks, helping people to to think through the issue of abortion, how to defend the pro life position, but then also, you know, the race issue, the the issue of race, talking about race and racial reconciliation. That's something that's very much on my heart. And abortion is a part of that, those presentations that I do. It has to be because it is, again, the number one killer of Black people. And we it has to be an issue that's addressed and talked about. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Melissa, again, right. I appreciate you coming on. We're going to wrap this thing up. And uh, All right. I appreciate well, you, you guys who uh, who listen. And uh, just if you need to get in touch with me, it's dparks at citiesforlife.com. You get in touch with Vicki, it's vcassiorg at citiesforlife.com. And Melissa mm-hmm. shared her, her contact info there. So, guys, we appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully, you'll share this podcast. Hopefully, it was a blessing to you. Until next time, God bless. For love, give me an outlet for gratitude. I know it will cost me my life, but nothing's too precious since I met you.